All right, it's the Keep to the City Yankees podcast, and I'm back after a, a little summer layoff, a little summer break, a much needed break from this Yankees team that's been awful through the first 89 games of the season, a 46 and 43 record. Uh, and now it's the second half, or the second, a little less than half, as the season 55% over 73 games remain. Uh, two and a half months sprint here for them to try to make the postseason, and it's going to be a tall task for them to make the postseason this season. Um, as they are currently the third team out of the wild card, so they need to jump two teams just to be the first team out of the postseason. Then they'd have to jump either the A's or the Rays for the wild card berth, and then they'd have to jump the Red Sox to be the division winner. And over these next two weeks here, the Yankees will play eight out of 10 games against the Red Sox, a chance to get back in the division race, a chance to save their season, a chance to erase all of the bad they've done through the first 89 games of the season. There's been a lot of bad a lot of excuses, a lot of underachieving, a lot of bullshit, a lot of just poor reasons for why this team isn't performing well, starting with the manager, starting with the front office, starting with ownership, and trickling all the way down through the lineup, through the bullpen, through the rotation, and what's been an awful season. And nothing was worse than the Sunday loss in Houston, a five-run lead in the ninth inning to blow that game, a game that would have ended this, the first half on a three-game winning streak in Houston, a place they never win against a team they have trouble beating, winning five of six on a road trip would have been great, and instead they lose the worst loss of the season, have that lingering over them uh, Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and now into Thursday as they open a four-game series at home against the Red Sox, so uh, we'll see. If this Yankees team, which talks endlessly about how they're going to turn it around, how they're going to hit, how they're going to win, that's all they've done is talk. They haven't backed it up. They haven't shown it at all. This is their chance here to 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 save the season. Ten games, eight against the Red Sox, two against the Phillies, has to be a huge ten games. Has to be a huge eight games against the Red Sox, who they're 0-6 against this season with 13 games left against them. You'd think they'd have to win either 9 or 10 of those 13 games that have a chance at the division, which is just seems so far out of reach right now. Though the Red Sox played poorly to end the first half, I do expect them to regress. This team isn't good. It's not good on paper. You see the lineup posted. You see their rotation. You see their bullpen. It's not good. They just keep winning, though. And the Yankees are the opposite. On paper, they're supposed to be good, and in actuality, they're not any good. So we'll see what this Yankees team is made of, and I can't listen to Aaron Boone anymore talk about adversity. And this team has faced adversity. They haven't faced adversity because adversity means misfortune. And there's been no misfortune for these Yankees. They haven't been misfortunate. They haven't had to endure injury bug like they have in the past. They've just been bad. Bad playing, bad pitching, bad hitting, bad base running, bad fielding, bad managing, bad leadership, bad front office. Everything about them has been bad. No adversity. Just a whole collective organization of people not doing their jobs. And if we have to hear the word adversity again, it means they've had a bad few games or a bad series or a bad weekend, and they can't do that anymore. 73 games left, they have to win 50 of them to win a division. To win 96 games, which would most likely get them the division, that's 50 and 23. A 685 winning percentage, way better baseball than they've played here, winning 46 of 89. They'd have to play levels above what they've shown they're capable of playing. And they also need the the Red Sox to stumble. They need the Rays to stumble. They need the A's to stumble. They need a lot to happen here to reach the postseason in a season in which they were the AL preseason favorite. They're now trying to hit a huge parlay just to reach the wildcard game. And back in April when I joked that I would sign up for the second wildcard spot, any Yankees fan would do that now. 
it, it was a joke, but it wasn't really a, said in jest. It was all said in seriousness because that back then you knew this team wasn't any good. When they started the season 5-10, and 10, when they can't beat the Red Sox and they can't beat the Rays and they have trouble beating the Orioles or the Blue Jays, they get swept by the Phillies, they have horrible losses, the series sweep to the Tigers, they can't finish off the Astros, they can't finish a sweep, they can't win on getaway days, they can't win weekday afternoon games, just a whole lot of losing and a whole lot of excuses of why they lose. But that can all be fixed here. This is it. This is their last chance to fix everything. They're not, they're going to be out of chances. They were given a second chance at the end of April because no one ran away with the division. They're given a second chance here now because the Rays have really stumbled since Tyler Glasnow went down. The A's haven't been playing as well as they were earlier in the season. They're given a chance here at the wild card. If they want a chance to reach the postseason as a division winner, this is it. Eight out of the next 10 games against the Red Sox, four of them at home this weekend, they can make it happen on their own terms. Do I expect them to? No, not really. I have a horrible feeling about this weekend. A really bad feeling about it. I'm excited for baseball to return after this layoff. I'm excited that the Yankees can do to the Red Sox what the Red Sox have done to them and get right back in the division race, but I don't have a good feeling about it. And if you've watched this team since April 1st, how could anyone feel good about them? You can't. And if they don't turn things around, it's the end for Aaron Boone. So I guess, you know, it's a win-win situation from either they save the season, they go on some miraculous run, or they don't and Aaron Boone is fired. And if you don't like Aaron Boone the way I don't like him, the way I don't think he should have ever been manager, then you're in a good spot. Either the Yankees save their season or they get a new manager. And the Yankees haven't had a whole lot of managers. Since 1996, they've had three. They had Joe Torre for 10 years. They had Joe Girardi then for 10 years. Aaron Boone now in his fourth year. They haven't had a lot of managerial change. On the other end of things, the Red Sox have. In the last 10 years, they've made five managerial changes, four different guys, four different managers. And good friend Mike Hurley of CBS Boston joined me to talk about the Red Sox with the Yankees playing them in eight of the next 10 games for Yankee Stadium this weekend and all the managerial changes they've had. Because if anyone knows about changing the manager, it's the Red Sox and their fans and those who follow them. And unless things change here, the Yankees are going to be changing their manager as well. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today with the second half or the second so-called half of the season set to begin and the Yankees playing the Red Sox in eight of their first 10 games out of the break is Mike Hurley of CBS Boston. Hurley, how's it going today? It's going good. Eight of 10, is that serious? That's serious. Mixed in with a little uh, two-gamer against the Phillies. So this is it for the Yankees here. 0-6 against the Red Sox this season. They need to win, what? 10 of 10 of 14 the rest of the way to to get back in the division race if they even want a prayer there but they just need to play better against the Red Sox period to even get back in the wild card race to begin with and I just can't believe with the the amount of games the Yankees have blown to the Red Sox this season the Red Sox roster not being very good we'll get to that but it just seems shocking that these two teams one team could be 6-0 and against the other I know but uh you know, would you say the season's on the line? Is that yeah. what you would say about the Yankees? <laughs> Aaron Boone's been using that <laughs> phrase for about two months now, and uh, each week he, he has another great cliche phrase. So the season is on the line. If they yeah. were to lose out of these eight games, if they were to lose, I don't know, six of them, which could happen, that's it. Like, you're done. You have two months of, of meaningless baseball. Yeah, I will say 6-0 and is a bit... Uh, the Red Sox are better than the Yankees this year, but like not six and zero better. So if you lay out the next whatever it is eight games as you mentioned, 
it, it shouldn't be that one-sided. Like, I do expect it to come back somewhat uh, more representative for the Yankees. So I, I'm not I'm not predicting the usual uh, series split for the season, but I, I would like to think that the Yankees are better than just getting absolutely blown out of the water by the Red Sox all year long. Yeah, and with 13 games left against each other, uh, like I mean, to me, you know, I, they'd have to go 10 and three to win the season series. You know, nine and four to get back within a game of it. It just doesn't seem likely. And um, you know, I went on your show a couple weeks ago, and I talked about how. Every idiot in the world is starting to say, oh, well, the 2009 Yankees were 0-8 against the Red Sox, and then they like won every game against them, won the division, won the World Series. That team is not this team. Same roster, right? Yeah, same, same roster. roster. Jeter, Cano, uh, Teixeira is an MVP candidate, A-Rod. Yeah, same guys. And then I listened to CC Sabathia's uh, podcast, and he talked about that. And he was like, hey, in 9 we were 0-8. It's like, it doesn't work like that. And and I hate when people do this because they did it in the beginning of the season when the Yankees started slow, and they were like, well, the 98 Yankees were 1-4 to start the season. It's like, the 98 Yankees won 114 regular season games. This team is three games over 500 with 89 games played. So it's not the same team. I don't expect them to go uh, 13-0 and against the Red Sox here, but they have to have a, a substantially good record. They have to win nine or 10 of the games to even have a chance at winning the AL East. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the Rays are better, right? Than the Red Sox, if we're, you know, laying things out and they are still, I, I think they're probably a bigger hindrance to the Yankees in getting anywhere near the top of the division. Uh, I think the the Rays, what did they win? Like 20 of 22 games there for a stretch. So yeah. once they came back to earth and started losing, like they're still only a game and a half back of Boston. And I still feel like that Red Sox losing streak, you know, four out of five, seven out of ten is still looming. Like they're not good enough to just not have that huge stumble, at which point I think Tampa will be there to pounce. So it's really to me, it's like, yeah, we focus on Red Sox Yankees, but the Rays are still there. I mean, the the Blue Jays aren't really, but aren't they in the same group as the Yankees? So, like, if we're not going to talk about Toronto, then we probably shouldn't talk about New York, but. Uh, we will because the pinstripes and the prestige and the aura <laughs> of the Yankees uh, carries a little bit more than Tam- uh, Toronto playing in Buffalo. But uh, <laughs> the reality is they are kind of in the same boat. Yeah, definitely. And I think everyone, because the Yankees were the AL preseason favorite, they were just supposed to just win the division with ease. And I said from the get-go, that was never going to be the case. Tampa and Toronto were always going to give them issues. I never thought Boston would give them issue. I still don't know how the Red Sox are good. I mean, if you look at this team... Three guys. You have Devers, Martinez, and Bogarts. And they bat three, four, five. I don't know why they don't bat one, two, three, but okay. And the rest of the lineup sucks. Their pitching staff is Eduardo Rodriguez, Avaldi, Garrett Richards, Nick Pavetta. Not really great names. Their bullpen is okay. This team being 19 games above 500 makes no sense at all. Uh,. Yeah, no, I mean, they got some better performances out of the rotation than I think we would have guessed. Like, Nick Pavetta, his overall numbers might not stick out, but he's had some really good starts. Martin Perez has an ERA of, like, four, which I would have guessed would be, like, 14. Um, You know, like, their quote-unquote ace, Eduardo Rodriguez, has been bad more than he's been good. Uh, Garrett Richards, before the the sticky stuff crackdown, was uh, really good. He's been terrible since. But I I think the the bullpen is as good as it's been as long as I can remember with Barnes, Adovino. Like even like Josh Taylor was like the worst pitcher in baseball in April and then had 25 straight scoreless appearances. Uh, Guys like Darwins and Hernandez and like Garrett Whitlock and 
Hirokazu Sawamura. Like their bullpen is probably has probably won them. I don't know, ten games. So you, you figure that in. The lineup is probably a little bit better than you're giving credit for. Where like Hunter Renfro has a ton of bombs. Verdugo had a good start to the season. He's cooled off. Uh, Kike Hernandez, your favorite player, uh, randomly became like Mark McGuire hitting a home run <laughs> like every game before the before the All Star break. So the the lineup is like those three guys you mentioned, the three All Stars, are great, and maybe two or three other guys are good enough to make it a complete lineup in what is today's Major League Baseball. Like you're not going to have the 09 Yankees anymore. So in modern baseball standards, I think the lineup is good enough. And it's really, to me, the bullpen that makes them a first place team. Yeah, I just, I can't get over it. And I know people over the All-Star break talking about regression and how the Red Sox can't keep up the performance they have. But it's like, why can't they? They they just did it for more than half the season. They certainly could. I still think they they fall back. I mean, they've won so much now. We're just a 500 record. The rest of the way will get them over 90 wins. So it's likely, barring some crazy collapse by them, that they would at least be in the wild card game. Uh, and you mentioned Tampa earlier, and Tampa is still great, and, and had they not lost Tyler Glasnow, I'm sure they'd have a couple more wins than they do, but just one game back of Boston in the loss column. So the Yankees, for them, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, they have to beat Boston to win a division. Right now, the Yankees need to win just to get in the wild card race. They're behind Seattle. You know, they have to jump the Indians. They have to jump Oakland. They have to jump Tampa. They've got a lot of jumping to do here. Uh, and I, I feel like everyone's just missing the point that, yes, they need to beat Boston to, to get Boston back towards uh, the pack in the East, but they just need to win games just to get into a postseason spot. And playing in the one-game playoff, I mean, is that really what they're signing up for at this point? I guess they are. Do you know what it reminds me of is uh, the 2019 Red Sox. Uh, I'm sure you, you remember they won the World Series in 2018, and they started 2019 just bad, and they kind of never shook it off. And anytime they made some sort of run or like won four out of five, they'd always follow it up with like losing two or three in a row. Like when they kept trying to climb back, that drop was always there. And then there was the series against the Yankees in July of that year, I remember. I'm looking it up now. It's the end of July, July 25th through the 28th, a four-game series at Fenway Park, and the Red Sox won the first three games. They won 19-3, to 10-5, to 9-5. And like everyone here got so stupid with it. And they're like, they're back. If they sweep this series, sweep all four, they're back in the division. And it's like they lose every game they need to win. So then it comes Sunday night baseball. They lose nine to six. They're nine games back. They never get anywhere close. And then they get swept in four games by the Yankees the next week. So like I feel like the 2021 Yankees are just the 2019 Red Sox. We're like where people are like, oh, you can save the season if you just do this. This, this, and this yeah. will get back into contention. But it's like, you don't understand. They have not been able to do the first this all year long. So it's like, yeah, theoretically things can happen. But if you just look at the results, it's hard to think that they will. Yeah, and that's a great comparison because I do remember that team. And, and they. I remember the beginning of that year for the Red Sox. They were bringing along their starters slow. And they went out in the West Coast to start the year and just got embarrassed. And everyone's like, oh, well, it's a hangover. They're just starting everyone slow. And like you said, they never got out of it. And the Yankees this year started 5-10. and 10, And they've really never gotten out of it. And Aaron Boone, the fucking idiot that he is, keeps talking about adversity. And now this team needs to overcome adversity. That's not... He, adversity means misfortune. It's not does not mean underachieving baseball players and bad managing. They have never <laughs> faced adversity. They don't have guys tearing their ACLs left and right. They've been mostly healthy outside of Luke Voigt, who's missed the majority of the season. The rest of the lineup's been healthy. 
And Corey Kluber went down, yes, and Luis Severino is still coming back from Tommy John, yes, but that's pitching. Pitchers get hurt. That's what they do. The Yankees haven't faced any adversity this season. They haven't had anything affect their team other than the guys who are supposed to hit haven't hit. The bullpen of late has been a disaster, and their manager, this guy, I mean, if, if you're Aaron Boone right now, every day you go to the stadium, you better be bringing home some apparel and gear from the clubhouse because there's only two months left in his time as a manager. I cannot see this guy continuing to be Yankees manager after this year. Yeah, and I said when you talked to me a couple of weeks ago that I had read that, uh, what was it? No Yankees manager has been allowed to come back to manage a fifth season without having won a championship since like 1913. So the, you're you can just start like a countdown calendar for Aaron Boone. <laughs> so that's that's like a, maybe a, a website uh, content uh, widget you might want to add to your website. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it still isn't. I mean, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but like I still laugh and like other people have said it to me that Aaron Boone randomly connecting on a knuckleball, which like any major league player could or couldn't do on any given pitch changed history so much for these two teams and uh, you know for the Red Sox it inspired them to go get Kurt Schilling and Keith Folk and then break a curse and then you know win four championships over 15 years <laughs> and for the Yankees it landed in like this completely unqualified TV analyst who was like barely qualified as a TV analyst uh to run the the highest payroll in baseball for four years for like no discernible reason other than he hit a home run 20 years ago it's it's outstanding I mean I enjoy it. It seems like you don't, but it's entertaining for me. <laughs> that home run, and people, they, they still play it like coming out of commercial breaks, like as a Yankee classic moment. Like they'll play, um, you know, them winning the World Series uh, a season or David Cohn's perfect game, like great moments in Yankees history. And then they play that moment. And yes, in the moment, it was a huge moment, but they lost that World Series. And like you said, all of the fallout since, if they lose that game, the Marlins were unbelievable. The Red Sox probably lose to the Marlins. Then they still, you know, don't have a World Series. George Steinbrenner being uh, absurdly upset that the Yankees lost to the Red Sox get Kurt Schilling instead because it was rumored forever that he was going to go to the Yankees. But they sort of, you know, pulled back on that after they beat after they beat the Red Sox, probably feeling they didn't need to make a huge change. Things changed so much from then, like. Those 1918 chants could still possibly be going on if Aaron Boone doesn't connect with that pitch. It is possible. I do. I would interject to say that you might not remember, but the 2003 Red Sox played the Marlins at Fenway and scored. Uh, I want to get it correct. Uh, so they scored 14 runs in the first inning <laughs> in a Carl <laughs> Pavano start. And I want before they even recorded an out. I think they had. Uh, uh, let's see. Is that let's see. Ooh, eight run score. That's I think they crazy. scored seven or nine times before recording an out. So they might have beaten the Marlins. You never know. But yeah, it's certainly uh, changed history. And I again, I don't think the Red Sox get Schilling or Folk without that. And you know, without Schilling, they don't even win the AL East in two thousand. They win the AL East in two thousand four. They were no. they wild. They were wild card. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, so I mean, Schilling was unbelievable that year. So it's like it's it's the 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 domino effect of that home run, which I guess you wouldn't take back theoretically in the moment, but uh, twenty years later, I'm sure you would. Yeah, well, if you look at managerial stability in my life as a Yankees fan, I mean, the first few years I had Buck Showalter. I was nine when Joe Torre became manager. He's there for ten years. 
Then they have Joe Girardi for 10 years. They've had Aaron Boone since. So it's been very stable. So I'm not used to managerial shuffles the way uh, the older generation of Yankees fans are or were under George Steinbrenner. Certainly for the Red Sox fans, they've had a a ridiculous amount of managers since 2004, um, since their first World Series. And if you look at the Yankees, there's this faction of Yankees fans that are like, blame the players. It's not on Boone. What can you do? The guys can't handle runners in scoring position. And I get that. Like, in any sport, it's on the players. They have to perform. The guy, Aaron Boone's not out there taking fastballs down the middle. He's not giving up three-run home runs. But then if you're under the notion that he shouldn't lose his job for this season, then don't ever fire any manager or coach in any sport for any reason and just give him a lifetime contract because you can always blame the players for a team that doesn't perform. At some point, something has to change, and the Yankees can't go out and get a new 26-man roster. The easiest thing to change is the fucking idiot who has no idea what he's doing in the majority of the game. So for as someone who watches, follows, covers the Red Sox, I mean, what it shouldn't take any more than this season for him to lose his job. Yeah, and and there's a unmeasurable, you know, chemistry equation that takes place in the dugout in the clubhouse and just the daily grind. You need someone who gets the most out of people. And I don't know how you can make an argument that Aaron Boone gets the most. You could argue he gets the least out of people with some of the performances that they're getting. And I look at, you know, look at J.D. Martinez last year. Ron Renneke. I don't know what you know about Ron Renneke, but he has the personality of a number two pencil. Like you just put a Red Sox hat on a stick and have him sit in the dugout, and that's Ron Renick. Like, he had no personal life. He had no juice. And I'm not saying that was the reason J.D. Martinez was bad, but you bring in a guy who believes in J.D. Martinez and says, listen, you're the best hitter in the game. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. We're going to work on this. And a guy who's played the game, uh, a guy who, you know, has 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 lived in baseball his whole life can can get it out of you. And, you know, being bilingual helps, getting, getting you know, more out of guys that like Raphael Devers, uh, having having the the growth that he has, I don't think it's a coincidence that these guys are having great years with with Alex Cora around. Um, so you can't like you know measure that, and there's not a dollar amount to it or whatever. But when you see it, you know it, and you know when a guy is inspiring, and you know when you look at a guy and say, "Would I like playing for him?" And I don't know how you look at Aaron Boone and think yes, unless you're. <laughs> I, I, like, has anyone ever like raved about playing for Aaron Boone? No, and the whole idea that he's this, um, you know, great communicator, and essentially when he got hired, he was sold to Yankees fans as, oh, his communication skills are great, and this was coming off the postseason um, and the season in which Girardi was, like, calling Gary Sanchez out to the media about his blocking abilities because Girardi had been a catcher and and whatever, but Joe Girardi took a team that was, you know, 22, 23, 24-year-olds to within a game of the World Series, Aaron Boone has never gotten them that close and the other idea was that Joe Girardi had this um, tension and he was always you know managing and at, and had this persona that every game was game seven and it was too much over a six-month grind and the Yankees didn't want their players to feel that they didn't want their players to think that they should win every game essentially so they go out and they get this happy-go-lucky idiot who's never won anything in his life who could care less when they lose he Every time they lose, it's, oh, we'll get him tomorrow. Oh, this guy pitched great. You got to give credit to him. He had great stuff. Everybody's got great stuff against the Yankees. Matt Harvey, Jordan Lyles, the Red Sox rotation. He's never he's never called out his team. He's never called out his players. And 
the times he has, it's like he has these favorites. So he'll go after Clint Frazier. He'll go after Sanchez. He'll go after Miguel Anduar. It's always the same guys. He'll never call out Judge or Stanton or Aaron. He laughed when people questioned Aaron Hicks batting third for the first two months of the season. He actually laughed sarcastically at the media about it. So he's just he has no idea what he's doing. And the Yankees treated a team on the cusp of this next great core. They treat it like it was an entry-level job to take over the team. No, no experience. No coaching experience. Never coached a little league team, let alone at the min- at the major league level. His first spring training, he tried to bring Dellen Batances into a game in spring training without having him warm up. Like the guy was just lost. He he doesn't know what he's doing. And then to look at the moves he made in the in the eighteen ALDS against the Red Sox when the first like seven outs of the game against first of all Severino didn't know what time the game started. I don't even know how that's possible. Starts warming up like three minutes before game three. Then awesome. and then Severino's first like seven balls were hit at like a hundred and fifteen miles an hour. And he he doesn't notice that like hey this guy is just getting barreled up. Lets him stay out there to give up three runs. Let's him come back the next inning after giving up three runs. Let's him load the bases with no outs and then goes to the bullpen. And he had Aroldis Chapman. He had Dellen Batances. He had uh, Chad Green, Zach Britton. And he goes to Lance Lynn, who's like a ground ball specialist. First, whatever pitch is a double down the line, scores three runs. And then that game's blown. And then in the game four, the Yankees go down early by a run. And he, CC Sabathia, everyone knew could only go through the lineup one time, but he lets him go through a second time. And his reasoning was he wanted Sabathia, this was an actual quote, that he wanted him to face Jackie Bradley Jr., the number nine hitter. So he let him go through the first eight batters to face the nine hitter. And Sabathia gave up more runs, and the Yankees never come back in that game, and they lose, and their season's over. And then in the 19 playoffs, his bullpen management with Adovino and Green and using an opener in game six was beyond idiotic and then you have the last postseason where in game two he tried fucking trickery against the Rays to bring in Jay Happ he got Kevin Cash to make an all left-handed lineup against Davey Garcia takes him out after one in and puts Happ in like some magic trick that just backfires the Yankees lose that and then they have this disastrous season I don't understand to go back to your point about how anyone can want to play for this guy unless you're comfortable losing, accepting of losing, because he's made that the Yankees culture. All if you listen to any of the players talk after each game, no one's ever upset, no one's ever pissed off. It's always there's always tomorrow. And that's just been the case with Boone. And I go back to earlier this year, the A's had like a thirteen game winning streak. They went like one and seven, then won thirteen in a row. And that thirteen game losing streak ended. And their manager, Bob Melvin, he gave us, he gave like a post game press conference, like they just lost game seven of the World Series. He was pissed off. I can't believe that we lost this. They just lost, they won 13 games in a row, and he's mad. Aaron Boone, this team is a 500 team, and he just thinks, he, he thinks there's no amount of games at the end of the season. There's just endless, there's hundreds of games left to be played, and at some point, the Yankees, everything will work out for them. So, I mean, I just don't know how this could go on anymore. It's, it's, it's as bad as it's ever been. That was great. <laughs> the, the, the one counter, obviously, is Aaron Boone was asked straight up if losing is becoming, uh, I don't know, I remember the wording. Remember that at a press conference a couple weeks ago? Yeah, he said, like, hell, hell no, get out of here. Get the hell out of here. Get out of here with that. With like his, it looked like when a little boy tries to like scare his dad. It's like, Aaron, like you're not scary, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not believable. Like, get, get the hell out of here with that. Like, <laughs> all right, Aaron. But did, did I ever tell you, I must have told you over the years my Aaron Boone story of what what that night was in 03 no so we're seniors in high school right we're the same age 
so it's October of my senior year, and it's game sevens that night, and they come on the speaker. I went to a Catholic school, so you had to wear a shirt and tie, and they come on the speaker like, listen, if the Red Sox win tonight, tomorrow's going to be Red Sox day. You can come to school wearing your Red Sox clothes. You don't have to you know, wear your uniform. It's like, hell yeah. So they're up late. It's, you know, Pedro's pitching. It's like, all right, seventh inning. All I had for Red Sox gear was like a, a jersey, like a nylon jersey from when I was in like fifth grade, like in my closet somewhere. So it didn't really fit. So I knew I had to cut the sleeves off if I wanted to wear to school and wear like a T-shirt underneath. So seventh inning, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get this thing. I get it out. When when did the Pedro meltdown happen? The eighth? Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to cut the sleeves off like carefully as that's like unfolding. And so it's like the first pitching, the, the first mound visit happens. I'm like, I'm going to put the scissors down. And then I just <laughs> I just put it on the coffee table with the jersey and I just watch it all play out. And I'm like, God damn it. And then, you know, it eventually plays out and it's just sitting there in front of me. And then Boone hits the home run. I'm just sitting there. I can't even shut the remote off because this was like for our generation, the first like 86 Mets, uh, 46 World Series, like the, the cursed Red Sox had finally affected us. Um so I'm just sitting there kind of stunned. And then Brett Boone was in the booth and they, the camera cut to him. He was just staring with like tears in his eyes. So I was like, all right, shut the TV off, went to bed. And like the jersey and the scissors were still sitting there. Who knows what my mother thought when she woke up in the morning. But uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was awful. And then the next morning, first class I had was music theory, uh, which was like all grades. So there was this little freshman kid in my class who was just like yapping, like, why didn't, why didn't Grady Little take up it? And I, <laughs> him and I said, shut the fuck <laughs> oh, he was just like he was just like uh. yeah and, and so, yeah. Grady Little lost his job for that I mean he maybe right. shouldn't have but it was a pretty egregious managerial decision sure certainly Aaron Boone hasn't ruined a game seven of an ALCS at least not yet uh but he's had enough egregious decisions that have combined to be as bad as that especially I don't know if you happened to catch the Yankees on Sunday blow a five-run ninth inning lead to the Astros um because he wanted to he didn't want to bring Aroldis Chapman in because he's been bad and he needs. He said he needs to find soft landing spots and situations for the highest paid closer in baseball needs soft landing spots. Uh, but he did bring Chad Green in and Chad Green had pitched four times in the last week. He had pitched two multiple innings, one three-inning time, uh, another for two innings. He used him on in, in both games of a doubleheader in that week. And then he goes out and asks him to get through the Astros and, and to get Jose Altuve out, a guy who had already hit a three-run home run off Green earlier in the year. So just what a way to go into the All-Star break. And it, and it brings me back to what you said earlier about the 2019 Red Sox, where they would just do what you thought would get them, and then they would lose. And the Yankees go to Seattle. They take two out of three. They win the first two games at Houston. Garrett Cole has that outstanding performance on Saturday. Complete game, shutout, 12 strikeouts. And you're like, okay, if they could sweep Houston here, and then they go in the break, and they come out with Boston 8 out of 10, things could change here. But they blow that game on Sunday in ridiculous fashion, 7-2 lead in the ninth inning, and now here they are, and that's just been lingering all week. I just have an awful feeling about this weekend, and I've been trying to hold on because I don't want a summer wasted of not being able to watch meaningful baseball, but I just have a it's really... It's kind of nice, Neil. It's kind of <laughs> nice. I have a really like, bad feeling going into this weekend. Like, you have a kid now, like, it's the summer, you can do fun things, you can, like, <laughs> open your phone, and it's, like, the sixth inning, and it's 7-2, to two, and you're like, oh, all right. Like, it's nice. Like, last year was kind of nice in that regard. Like, I... The re- when did the season start? The end of July? Yeah. I don't even remember. Uh, it was over for the Red Sox within like they, they lost two or three to Baltimore to start the season. <laughs> they won on opening day. 
And I was like, oh, maybe they'll actually win some games. Then they lost to Baltimore twice, and then they just kept losing. And I was like, well, all right, well, that was that was worth a shot, I guess. But now my summer's free to go to the beach. You can, you know, go on long walks. You can go to the zoo. All these things open up to you. So it's not the worst <laughs> thing, um, you know, as, as far as that goes. And then, you know, tickets get cheaper. You can go in. You can get some space. There's no one next to you. So there are benefits. I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. Um, but I don't know. Do you really hate their chances against the four Red Sox starters? They're, I mean, who, who's I, I tried to look it up. Did the Yankees just not announce their starting pitchers? Or yeah, I it? mean, the belief is that they would give Cole extra rest because he threw 129 pitches on uh, Saturday, which is like the most pitches any Yankees thrown since basically they started keeping track of pitches. <laughs> um, and then so they'd go like Montgomery fr- Thursday, then Cole Friday or something. But yeah, when before we got on, I looked again and they hadn't announced them. Uh, I like I like a theoretical Cole Perez matchup for you. I mean, like you'd think, but Garrett Cole, could you come up any smaller in the last time he faced the Red Sox when the Yankees needed a win? So, I don't know. Eduardo Rodriguez stinks. The Yankees faced him at Fenway, the best right-handed hitters park. They couldn't score. They scored seven <laughs> runs in 27 innings at Fenway two weeks ago. Um, couldn't hit him. Martin Perez, they got to him in one inning. Couldn't get to him after that. The guy is barely in Major League Baseball. They can't hit the Red Sox bullpen, so... This Yankees roster, yes, on the back of all their baseball cards, like we keep hearing, there's great numbers, but not this season. And uh, people keep saying, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, <laughs> it just hasn't happened yet. There's 73 games left. They need to win like 50 of them. So uh, I don't know. This weekend they have to win, what, three out of four? And then and even, and even then you're only cutting two games off the Red Sox, whatever, eight-game lead in the loss column or seven, whatever it is. So they really need to just start sweeping the Red Sox and – I don't know how that happens. I don't. I don't see how that's possible. I just. I have a bad feeling that that in the next yeah. ten days, that that's it. You need like six or seven out of eight, and then you need two out of three with Tampa right. to even like have something to talk about. Otherwise, you're done at the end of July. And again, the zoos are nice. Um, the animals are fun to see. Kids <laughs> love it. Um, it's it's nice. You, yeah. it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, if they were to ever sweep this weekend, which is like there's like a 5% chance of that, I mean, certainly the whole narrative would change. Like, oh, here come the Yankees. The Red Sox are falling apart. So that would be great. But I do, I'll start looking at, uh, you know, days I can go to the zoo. The other other thing to watch for this weekend to be on the lookout for is the Red Sox called up Jaron Duran. I did see that. A seventh round pick like three years ago, but has put on like a million, like (laughs) our, our Dan Roach for... WBZ did an interview with on July 4th and he was just wearing like a cutoff shirt. The guy is just like massive. Like he's probably put on like 30 pounds of arm muscle. Uh, and his most home runs in any year, like in the minors before this was five And this year, he has 15 and 46 games. So I could see him making his debut as a lefty hitter in Yankee stadium and hitting like four home runs this weekend, just randomly, just to, I can see just that. to really twist the knife. So he might never hit a home run for the rest of the year in the big leagues, but I could see it happening. This well, weekend. the Yankees, they just made a call up today too. They called up Trey and who's a 2015, uh, 13th rounder, I believe. So he's been the minors for six years. Um, nice. and he is a right-handed, um, bat. So he, we, we have another right-handed bat in the lineup of only right-handed bats. And, this year he has uh, six home runs in 37 games. Last year he did hit, or two years ago rather, no minors. Last year he did hit 22 in 124 games. So the last when the Yankees played the Red Sox at the beginning of June, they called up Chris Gittins, who was their right-handed power option then from the minors. Now that that didn't work out, they're trying another one. So just more right-handed hitters, Mike. We just that's the thing. The Yankees' history is based off of left-handed power at a stadium with a 314-foot right field foul pole, but they don't have a right. Uh, they don't have a left-handed hitter on the team. <laughs> 
Well, you know, uh, Brian Cashman has a job for life, so I that's don't true. Think he, there's any reason to get upset about that? He has said, you know, they don't go after uh, they don't go after positions to fill needs. They just go after the best available talent and try to fit him in, like what he did in 2006 when uh, the playoffs came around and he had Gary Sheffield playing first base because he had him and he collected Bobby Abreu and Hideki Matsui and he had uh you know 12 guys for nine spots and uh, didn't know what to do so Gary Sheffield was playing first base in the playoffs and and they were eliminated in four games so that's he's still we're still living by the same baseball strategy as as what was that 15 years ago that was and not to just be Mr. Wayback Hurley today but like the 06 divisional series against Detroit that game one they put the lineup on the screen and it was like the Yankees will not lose a game this postseason, and they yeah. won that game one, and then wasn't game two rained out? Right. I was at that game one, and leaving there, the whole oh outside God. the stadium was chanting sweep, and I was like, there's no way they're not going to sweep. They are going right. to face... They're going to face Justin Verlander, who was a kid, Jeremy Bonderman, and Kenny Rogers. Like, they're not going <laughs> to lose to this team, and then they just couldn't score a run. Oh, that lineup for game one was like... Like, it just came on the screen. It's like, I don't want to watch this. Like, this is... This is not even compet- – it was like watching the Warriors against, like, the Pistons. Like, it was <laughs> it was ridiculous. They, Damon, uh, they, Damon Jeter, Abreu, Sheffield, Giambi, A-Rod batting sixth, Matsui batting seventh, Posada batting eighth, and Cano batting ninth. Like, yeah, and Cano hit, like, 340-something that year, and he was batting ninth. It's ridiculous. But then they just couldn't hit after that, just like they always seem to not be able to do the playoffs since the last 20 years, and, and they lost. And uh, that rainout really screwed it up because if they had played that game too, it would have been at night at Yankee Stadium, like rookie Verlander. You know, he was not nowhere near yet what he was going to become. And instead, they move it to the next day, and that changed everything. Messina, the Yankees had a lead. Messina gave up a home run. You know, the typical Mike Messina, like always pitches great, but not great enough to win. And then the shadows came into play in like the eighth inning and they brought Joel Zamaya and he was throwing like 400 miles an hour <laughs> and A-Rod was swinging like 30 seconds behind the pitches. And after that, they, they just, Randy Johnson got torched in Detroit. They had to go to Jarrett Wright in a game who was awful. So it's oh almost God. like Ryan, you need pitching. Ryan Bruni, Ron Valone, these names are. Yeah, it's almost like you need starting pitching to win the playoffs, but took the Yankees two decades to figure it They still not have it figured it out. I mean, theoretically. And that is, that is the other thing to keep in mind with the Red Sox is Chris sale is coming back. That's the I thing that scares me. Like if I don't, yeah, if and, he and comes like back he's, and he's his old self, like they're not going to get worse. Right. And I, I would advise you and anyone listening to like, go seek out his like press conferences, his zoom press conferences over the, like he doesn't want to come back and like ease in and go like three innings and throw like 45 pitches. Like he wants to come back and throw 145 pitches and strike out every single batter. Like he is keeping him away from baseball for a year is like caging him up. So <laughs> I don't know that it's going to work out. You know, a lot of guys want to do that. Uh, but he has certainly had this like frightening, crazy caged animal attitude that once he starts his rehab starts, I think he's going to do like seven of them uh, or six or seven of them. So he'll be back in mid August probably. Um, that is such a huge thing. Cause like you said, who cares if the Red Sox win the division if they go to the playoffs and it's like Valdi, Eduardo Rodriguez, and then what, Nick Pavetta? Um, Chris Sale changes the entire scope of, of playoff series that uh, is probably the biggest the biggest thing. And, you know, I'm sure the Red Sox will add someone too. Uh, I don't think they'll be as impactful as Chris Sale, though. Well, here's to the Red Sox winning another World Series with a team that's not expected to win the World Series. Um, well, but we could do a ranking. Who who would you say? I mean, 07 team was unbelievable. So if you just look at 13, 18, and then theoretically this one, like 
who's worse? Like the Shane Victorino team with yes. Johnny Gomes? The 13 team is still every day I wake up, I think about how that team won the World Series. This team, this team would pass them because... I mean, think so. I mean, with Enrique Hernandez batting leadoff and like Alex Verdugo second, and like, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, who's like good, but coming off the Bobby Valentine era, it was like they weren't going to be good for 20 years. And then the year after he leaves, they win the World Series. Like, that was just nuts. Speaking of him, I was going to mention he is running for what mayor of Stamford. I saw that. If it doesn't work out, he'll be available to manage next year. And I. (laughs) I fully recommend if you want to hit the like, rock bottom and just reset the organization, he is a good <laughs> option for that. You talk about like guys not warming up before they get like the moves that he he was so good for me professionally because every single night I would watch the game and be like, I have like six stories to write just about the manager being an absolute idiot. Remember the it time was, he didn't know which hand the, the starters threw with? Yeah, yeah, and he and he one time he went to the mound and lifted his right hand, which I guess <laughs> I didn't know is an official like signal like he had two guys warming up you have to bring in the guy that is called apparently yeah so like there was so many uh procedural things he did not know about baseball let alone like athletic things he didn't understand and competitive things and like just the rules of baseball i went to a game in like late april early may so early and i sat right behind the red sox dugout and he walked back from a mound visit and like he was like 68 years old i think he was an old man and the merciless boos that were rained upon him like I almost felt bad for him, but I didn't because he was making like probably four million dollars to just sit there <laughs> as the punching bag. But like, God, it was it was a special, special scene. But yeah, the fact that that team, who they add in the offseason, they added Mike Napoli, Shane Victorino, Johnny Gomes, probably a pitcher I'm forgetting, um, to to go out and win the World Series was like the most random thing of all time. I mean. It was uh it was a it was a special time and I'm sorry that that happened to you. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of Boone in a way because like if you watch Bobby V on um on the on ESPN all those years and you're like how did anyone hire this guy? It's like with Boone like you watched him on Sunday Night Baseball and someone still was like I gotta get this guy to take over a win now team. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean they that was such a mess. The the not to get too far into this, but like they they fired Francona. Um, they they needed a new face so they would bring guys in like i remember gene lamont dale swaim someone else <laughs> like they brought these guys in for interviews and then had them give press conferences like as if they were the red sox manager like meet the media and do a press conference after your job interview which was the most bizarre thing i've ever seen there was like four of these press conferences and bobby v obviously was like charming and funny and must have like won over the media in some way and it was like yeah he's the guy and it's like that's what you're that basing is- it on that's a real baseball organization. Like it's not a pretend like fantasy baseball team or like a Ted Lasso TV show. (laughs) Like the Boston Red Sox were like, yeah, let's give it a whirl. And it was, then they finally won. uh, They finally won a series in like mid April after being like two and 10. And he came out on the morning of Patriots day and was like, yeah, Kevin Euclid sucks. I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. I remember it was like, not an icon, but you know, Kevin Euclid was like, a fixture of the Red Sox organization. He came up in 04. He was part of the championship in 07. He was like a give-it-all type of player. You know how Kevin Euclid is. Yeah, and I do. Finally, he could be getting Yankee the next year. Yeah, and he finally, like, they finally have something positive, winning, like, two straight games, and the manager comes out and is like, man, screw Kevin Euclid. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the, like, what is this simulation that we're living in? That was, that was a great year to be in Boston sports media. Uh, tough year to be on the Red Sox. Like that's when David Ortiz called it a shithole. Yeah. That's when Pedroia like was 
sending group messages of like Valentine sleeping in his office. You might remember like the leaks coming out. That and this year. is a year after the chicken and beer, which is like it was back to back. It was like they're going to be bad for a long time. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible that they won the next year. And I'm sorry I, I left out John Lackey had a random renaissance year that year. And uh, there was someone else that was completely was that was that the Koji year 2013? Yeah, Koji Uihara, who before that was just like a guy who didn't start the year as the closer, became like Mariano Rivera for like six months. Yeah, and with one didn't pitch. Allow, I think he had 27 straight appearances without a run. Uh, it was absolutely absurd. So uh baseball i guess like any sport is random so maybe the yankees will win the world series next year maybe just pin your hat on that yeah all right hurley well thanks for coming on if if something big happens this weekend a sweep you know one way or the other we'll have to reconvene on uh monday and look at it but it'll probably just be a boring two and two weekend well let's talk after the yankees win six or seven out of the eight and then all right reshape the division all right that sounds good thanks for coming on thanks for the time deal All right, thanks again to Hurley for taking the time to come on and talk about the Red Sox and the managerial changes and sort of the state of baseball up in Boston. Yankees-Red Sox this weekend, and each series from here on out is the biggest series of the season. And this weekend, the Yankees need to make sure they know that. Have to win this series. Have to win three out of four. Cannot take four games off the schedule, four head-to-head matchups off the schedule against the Red Sox going just two and two. Can't happen. Have to win three out of four this weekend. Anything less is a complete failure. Anything less is going to put them in an even worse position than they were before the weekend. So that'll do it for today. Yankees-Red Sox begins on Thursday night at the stadium. I'll be back after the game to talk about it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you after the game.